0: Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots, welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, dot com, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Welcome to the show on this first day of the week of Constitution Week. Woo-hoo! Yes, yes, yes. One of my favorite times of the year the times of the year when we actually have an opportunity to uh, talk about the Constitution freely and openly because everybody should be knowing it's Constitution Week. You know, it's interesting because uh, all of our state constitutions actually have a provision within them that says, hey, uh, during Constitution Week, you have to talk about the Constitution. And so since our children are going to be talking about it in the schools, then maybe we should be talking about it at home. And then we should be talking about it at work. And we should be talking about it with our neighbors. And we should be talking about it with our friends. And I just I just really want to seriously throw that out there at you. If you're a business owner, why don't you have a business meeting with your employees this week? at least one, and talk about the Constitution. And that's what we're going to be doing this week on the Chris Anhalt Hall Daily Journal, which is interesting because it's what we do every week on the Chris Anhalt Hall Daily Journal. We talk about the Constitution, the Constitution and current events from a principled and historical perspective. You know, I don't have the, the government propaganda. We don't have the progressive spin going on here, but we're just talking about real life issues from uh, the perspective that an educated constituency ought to be looking for, right? And so I want to I wanna talk about uh, Kavanaugh and impeachment, but I also want to talk about just flat-out basics of the Constitution. Since this is our first week at Constitution Week here at The Daily Journal, we're going to get into some basics about the Constitution. Remember, we're a teach show and not a talk show. So we're going to do a little bit more teaching today and a little bit less talking today. And uh, I guess, well, I'm going to be talking, but you know what I mean by that. So first, let's just go ahead and start off with um, Kavanaugh, right? So the problem with Kavanaugh and this big hoopla about impeaching Kavanaugh. Man, the way you see these stories and the way people talk about Kavanaugh, you would think that the man walked around like a nudist at Yale. I don't know. Somebody tell me. Never went to Yale. Is there a nudist colony at Yale? Did he, I mean, was he part of that, part of the the campus where people just walked around with their junk hanging out? I, I don't know. Whatever. It, it just seems very, very odd to me and very, very hypocritical, by the way. All of a sudden, everybody in the liberal Congress and the liberal media, the progressives, the Democrats, the Marxists, the socialists, all of them, all jumping up and down about Kavanaugh and his past um, indiscretions or accusations of his past indiscretions. And yet we still have crickets about Epstein, Epstein, Epstein and his party land island. It's interesting to me, I was, I was watching the media and the news and I was noticing that You know, we have this whole MIT thing going on with Epstein. And it's just insane to me. The people who go out of their way these days to defend what was going on on that island with women, young, I'm sorry, not women, girls who were minors and screaming and yelling and talking about how, oh, well, they had to have been consensual, and yet the same people, the Me Too crowd, are hyping it up on Kavanaugh, where, once again, we don't even have a modicum of evidence either way. Either Kavanaugh is the best liar In the world, or these women are the worst truth tellers ever. I just, it is very, very difficult for me to understand how, as an American society, we can even take this seriously. Look at all the evidence, decades of evidence of what happened on that island to children, boys and girls. And, oh, wait, sorry, sweep that under the rug. Nothing to see here. Nothing to know, nothing to look at. But, oh, my goodness, we need to impeach Kavanaugh, because when he was at Yale, you know, he couldn't keep his junk in. I I just simply, look, don't come to me with these stories if you're going to be a hypocrite. Evidence of pedophilia and worse... Among the elite, no evidence on Kavanaugh, and we're going to throw the man under the bus again. Look, let me ask, and and the whole thing with Kavanaugh, this, this fascination, this absolute focus and obsession with Kavanaugh being on the bench is just, it astounds me. The liberals have nothing to fear from Kavanaugh. I have said this forever. The liberals have nothing to fear from Kavanaugh. Why are they not going after Gorsuch? Gorsuch is the scary one on the Supreme Court. Gorsuch is the one that's going to undermine all of their status. Government is the answer to all your problems. Philosophy and ideology use the Supreme Court to rewrite the Constitution full of ideology. Gorsuch is the one who's going to undermine all that. Kavanaugh, nine times out of ten, is going to be on board with their plan. Why are they so fascinated and obsessed with picking on Kavanaugh? Maybe somebody can tell me the behind the scenes there. Maybe my Q people can tell me what the real thing is going on. Maybe it's because they don't have any dirt on Gorsuch. You'd have to believe that if they had dirt on Gorsuch, they'd be all over him. Maybe they don't have any dirt on Gorsuch. Right, but I'm I'm just you know the whole fascination the obsession with Kavanaugh is astounding to me. So what is it going to take to impeach Kavanaugh? A miracle, okay? Practically from day one, it's going to take a miracle, and I want to tell you this because um, it it's just it's just incredible this idea of impeachment. You see, Thomas Jefferson said from the very get-go, yes, you can impeach Supreme Court justices. Yes, that's part of the way of the check and balance because Supreme Court justices, you know, beyond what you've been told, do not have lifetime appointments. No, they don't. They have appointments based on good behavior. Go read Article 3. Better yet... Get my uh, my judiciary class at chrisanhall.com on DVD, or you can download it now. We our DVDs are now downloadable to your computer. You can get those at chrisanhall.com at our shop, or you can sign up for Liberty First University and get all our courses, including the judiciary course. And you can find out that Article Three gives the term of appointment. For a justice as good behavior. And our founders even told us what that means. Which, by the way, would eliminate Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Alina Kagan, Sotomayor, uh, uh, Kavanaugh. Obviously, Roberts is gone, right? And I don't know how many justices over the past... Uh, decades, certainly, probably, 75, at least, conservatively speaking, 75% of the federal judges on the bench would be gone under our founder's definition of good behavior. But all of those protections in mind, Jefferson scoffed. He said, yeah, right, whatever, good behavior, impeachment. He said impeachment is nothing but a scarecrow. Congress is going to impeach a a Supreme Court justice for bad behavior when the most egregious behavior that a Supreme Court justice can exhibit is a behavior that expands legislative power beyond the Constitution, that expands executive power beyond the Constitution. And Jefferson says, seriously, you think they're going to impeach a Supreme Court justice for expanding their power? Come on now, people get real. And we know that to be true now. We know that decade after decade after decade, justices that exhibit bad behavior by this definition remain on the bench. So what does it take to be impeached? You have to have Articles of Impeachment drawn up in the House. They have to be passed by the House. Then it has to go into the Senate. The Senate has to try the official for impeachment and convict. Then and only then does impeachment actually stick. You see why it's never happened? You've got to have the coordination of both houses to impeach a justice for bad behavior when most of the time, majority of the time, the bad behavior is actually a benefit to Congress or the executive branch. And most of the time when it's a benefit to the executive branch and Congress is doing nothing about it, Congress is okay with the expansion of power to the executive branch, not because they want the executive branch necessarily to have more power, but the legislative branch wants the executive branch to have more power because then they can blame the executive branch for all the problems, right? And then... They don't have to take any of the accountability or responsibility. Oh, well, we'll blame the president for the budget. We'll blame the president for the economy. We'll blame the president for the jobs when it really is Congress to blame. Liberty's lobbyist Chris N. Hall has now taken control. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. Chris Ann Hall here, K R I S A N N E H A L L dot com. I'm glad you're with me here today on this uh, Constitution Week, Constitution Day. Oh, I've got you some cool pictures here on uh, YouTube if you're watching me on YouTube. Here we go. We got our, our selection of Constitution Week pictures celebrating the birth of our Constitutional Republic, September 17th, 1787. So uh, tomorrow is officially Constitution Day, the day we remember uh, the signing of our Constitution, the day we remember the creation of our Constitutional Republic. Yes, it's not a democracy. Yes, it's a Constitutional Republic. So we were talking about impeachment, okay? So impeachment is when we remove a justice from office for bad behavior. Now... Only one Supreme Court justice has ever been impeached. His name is Samuel Chase. Now, I, I say he's been impeached because the articles of impeachment were drawn and passed in the House, but the Senate refused to um, refused to uh, convict. He actually served, I believe if my memory serves me correctly, um He served for six more years after the Articles of Impeachment were uh, were actually filed. So Samuel Chase served on the Supreme Court since 1796 and the House voted to impeach Chase on March 12, 1804, accusing Chase of refusing to dismiss biased jurors and of excluding or limiting defense witnesses in two politically sensitive cases. And so the House drew up the articles of impeachment, but the Senate refused to convict. There's no way Kavanaugh is going to be impeached. And I simply have to ask the question, what exactly is the point with the obsession with Kavanaugh What are we not supposed to be looking at? Is this seriously still distraction from Epstein? Epstein's island? Because let me tell you what. Before Epstein was suicided, you have to know there were some really big people freaking out. I mean, seriously, freaking out. Lost sleep. Popping Xanax and Valiums, wondering when the knock was coming at their door. So is this more just still distraction? I think, unfortunately, I hate to say this out loud, but I think the vast majority of the American people have moved on. It's extremely unfortunate, I believe immoral and disgusting, that, that we have such a fickle nature with politics in America. Because this shouldn't just simply be moving on from this, but I do have to ask: Do you think this is uh, this is the distraction? I don't know. I want to talk about Iran, but JC's not here, and he's my foreign policy guy, so I'm trying to sit on that. <laughs> I want to wait till JC comes back tomorrow, and we can talk about Iran because I just. Anyway, shush, 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 shush. Today is Constitution Week, so we're going to talk about the Constitution anyway. And there's some basic things that I want us to know. And I think what we might want to do in today's show, you know, just starting off with the beginning basics. Because I really want everybody who is watching this show, who is listening to this show, to just simply start the conversation this week. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about political correctness. Don't worry about your friends getting mad because you think you're talking about politics. The Constitution is not political. The Constitution is government. And the fact that we don't talk about the Constitution is the whole reason we're in the situation that we're in. Remember, Samuel Adams said no people will tamely surrender their liberties nor be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. But on the contrary, when the people become universally ignorant and debauched in their manners, they will sink underneath their own weight without the aid of foreign invaders. Can we take a few minutes this week just to stop sinking? Can we take a few minutes to throw out a life raft to our friends, family, to our children, teaching them these basic things about our Constitution. Just little simple facts to spark the conversation and ask the questions. You can't learn the easy way, you'll learn the hard way. Kristen Hall, she's Liberty's lobbyist. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. This is Constitution Week, and I want us to take some time out of the political drama, of the media frenzy, of all the propaganda, to just simply sit and talk Constitution. I even have some notes with me today, so I make sure I get my quotes right. I have a lot of them stored up here, but there's a lot of stuff that I, you know, that I want to make sure that I get right. Because, again, this is our teach portion of the show. And I want to give you something to talk about. Now, I've put out together these little poster things. And in the posters, give you something to talk about. The ultimate right of the states, Madison says, to judge whether the Constitution has been dangerously violated, must extend to violations by the judiciary, as well as by the executive or legislative. A lot of people believe that the Supreme Court is the ultimate, uh, you know, empirical uh, uh, power in America. That the Supreme Court is the ultimate arbiter of what is constitutional and what is not. And the the only entity that can challenge or correct the Supreme Court is itself. You ask your average judicial supremacist, you ask your average federal supremacist, your judge, your lawyer, your professor, your just, you know, average person. And they'll tell you that the check and balance in Washington, D.C. is the Supreme Court. Now, we know that there are checks and balances that are in place from the legislative to the judicial. We talked about impeachment from the legislative to executive. There's also impeachment there. The legislative to executive uh, check and balance is the power of the purse. They can defund the executive branch. And there's also checks and balances from the executive to the judiciary. The president of the United States appoints or or nominates the judiciary. The president of of the United States has the job to execute the laws of the United States, and if the Supreme Court hands out an unconstitutional opinion and holds something contrary to the Constitution, the check and balance of the executive branch is not to enforce their opinion. That's that's I just have to pause there for a second because that's just sort of mind-blowing for many people in America to realize that the executive branch has a check and balance on the judiciary to stop the judiciary from imposing unconstitutional judicial sanctions on people. You see, the judiciary has no sword. They have no power of the purse. They only have a pen and paper. They issue opinions. It is to the executive to enforce the judicial opinions. And the essential check and balance of the executive on the judiciary is to refuse to enforce. Judicial opinions and sanctions that are contrary to liberty and contrary to the Constitution. Most Americans don't realize that's how the power also flows. And the same would go with the check and balance of the executive on the legislative branch. The legislative branch are are the law writers. It's where our laws originate. Some would say a check and balance of the executive is to refuse to sign a law, uh, a congressional act into law. But we all know that Congress has a way to bypass that. So what if the House and the Senate in collusion get totally tyrannical and they come up with a congressional act that, let's say, I don't know, robs the people of their right to keep and bear arms? Well, the president can refuse to sign that legislation as a check and balance on the legislative branch, but we all know that written into the Constitution is a way for the legislative branch to override a presidential veto. When that happens, the legislative act becomes a matter of law. But if that legislative act is contrary to the Constitution, then we have to realize that that legislative act is unconstitutional. Now, I have that slide here somewhere, if I can get my computer to work for me. Oh, that's the Second Amendment slide. It's Hamilton telling us, therefore, anything contrary to the Constitution, any legislative act contrary to the Constitution, cannot be valid. Maybe I don't have that slide up here today. Hmm, I'll put it up tomorrow. So Hamilton writes, no law, therefore, contrary to the Constitution, can be valid. So we have to understand that an essential check and balance from the executive on the legislative is to refuse to enforce the law. That's the job of the executive, to execute the laws. But if those laws created by Congress are contrary to the Constitution, even if the Supreme Court agrees or justifies those laws somehow, I don't know, like saying that people are property, it would be the duty and the obligation of the executive branch to refuse to enforce those laws. Remember, the the legislative branch is, is the scribe of the federal government. It carries no sword itself other than to declare war. And will Congress declare war on our president for refusing to execute an unconstitutional law? Well, let me tell you that, my fellow American. If that happens, we got bigger problems. Than we can talk about in the next I don't know 12 and a half minutes. So essential in this check and balance as I ta- as, as I mentioned, the legislative on the executive, the executive on the legislative, the legis- the executive on the judicial, the judicial I mean they all have, as Jefferson said, co-equal power to check and balance each other. But Madison says this, the ultimate right of the states to judge whether the Constitution has been dangerously violated must extend to violations by the judiciary as well as by the executive or the legislative. Now let's think about that because this is is like a bucket full of jewels right here, this little bucket full overflowing of jewels. First, we get from the first sentence here the ultimate right of the states to judge whether the Constitution has been dangerously violated. That's pretty amazing. The ultimate right. The states have the ultimate right to judge whether the Constitution has been violated or not. Ultimate right. Oh, really? I thought the Supreme Court was the ultimate arbiter of the Constitution. Well, apparently not according to the man holding the title in history as the father of the Constitution. The man holding the title in history as the father of the Constitution, also the fourth president of the United States, says, hey, it's the states who are the ultimate arbiters of what is constitutional. So not only does he say the states have the ultimate authority, he says they have that an ultimate authority over the Supreme Court, that ultimate authority over the legislative branch, that ultimate authority over the executive branch. You see, when the woman asked Benjamin Franklin, What kind of government did you give us? And Franklin reportedly responded, A republic if you can keep it. You see, essential to maintaining our republic is knowing how it works. Essential to maintaining our republic and preventing a, a, a kingdom from taking over, preventing mob rule, preventing socialism, communism, what have you, from taking over. Is the key is keeping the to the keeping a republic is understanding how the constitution was designed to function. And I think one of the greatest failings that we have in America today is this idea that the Constitution designed our federal government to where it's only check and balance is itself. It's only check and balance being itself. If if our Constitution designed our federal government where the only check and balance in the federal government is itself, then we are not a constitutional republic. We are an oligarchy in in disguise. If there is no external check and balance, the only check and balance on the government is itself, then the only limit to government power is its own whim and will. And that is not a constitutional republic. That is a totalitarian oligarchy. So knowing that we have a constitutional republic, we must immediately dismiss this premise that the only check and balance is itself. We shouldn't even be entertaining that, which begs the question then, so what is the other check and balance? if it's not itself. James Madison tells us in 1798, the other check and balance is the states. The ultimate right of the states to judge whether the constitution has been dangerously violated, extends over the federal government, the entire federal government. Well, how is that? Well, the understanding that our states created the Constitution. Our Constitution is a contract between the states that produced the federal government. It's not a contract theory, or as your, your professor may, may say, a compact theory. It is not a theory. It is a fact. The Constitution is a compact, which is a special kind of contract. A contract, legally speaking, is an agreement between two legal adults. A compact, however, is an agreement between two sovereign governments. And when we get back, I'll show you why that matters. Welcome back to the Chris Ann Hall Daily Journal. I just want to say thank you so much for joining me here today. I I am so honored by the fact that you are with us and that you are following us. Our following is growing, growing, growing. We are doing great and reaching great places and great people and doing great things, teaching, convincing, and converting. I want to invite you to social media this week with me so we can go through our constitutional training together every day. We'll be doing more on social media, obviously, than we can do on the show because I can I can have entire articles on social media. Today's, uh, today's article on social media is um, about original intent and how uh, defeating the fallacies of logic proposed against the original intent of the constitution proving that in original intent proving let me say that again proving not by opinion but with actual fact that the const the only proper legal and political way to uh, apply our constitution is through an original intent so go to my Facebook page Chrisanne Hall go to my Instagram page chrisanne.hall Go to Twitter at Chrisanne Hall, and you can find all these things. I also want to invite you on social media. Now, I already posted this on Twitter, but I'm asking this question all across social media because I want, on this Constitution Week, to address your issues. And the question is, what do you uh, what do you believe is the greatest threat to liberty in America today? And we'll cover the most common concerns on the show this week. But if you're watching on YouTube, you can go down to the comment section after you like and subscribe. Make sure you like and subscribe. Uh, you can go down to the comment section and you can list your, your concern. What do you, what do you believe is the greatest threat to liberty in America today? Now, why is it, why is it essential that the states, and why do we know that the states are the ultimate check and balance on the federal government? Because the states created the federal government. Now, I teach a long history on this, and you can find this history in my book, Sovereign Duty. You can find this history at libertyfirstuniversity.com, and you can find this history when I come and I teach it. All of those things available at chrisanhall.com. And so right now, I just want to sort of give you a brief overview in the last few minutes that we have left. The states were created by legislative act on July 2nd, 1776, a legislative act called the Lee Resolution. Thirteen years later, the states got together, held a convention, created the Constitution, and then voted and ratified the Constitution into legal being. The Constitution is a product of the states. It is not a product of the people, and we know this by historical fact. Let me just ask you a simple question. Was the Constitution ratified by popular vote? Now, the answer to that question is most obviously no. The Constitution was ratified by the states. Nine out of the 13 first initially, just enough to ratify, and the rest came in along the way. And every state that joins the Union, by the way, becomes a member, becomes a party, to the contract. They didn't have to be an original signer of the compact. By joining into the Union, they become a party to the compact. Now when the states created the Constitution, it was a compact, a legally binding agreement between the states. The product of that compact is the federal government. The Union and the federal government. The federal government is not a party to the Constitution. The Constitution is not an agreement between the people and the federal government, because remember the people didn't ratify it, and the Constitution is not an agreement between the states and the federal government. That is a temporal impossibility. The federal government did not exist until the Constitution was ratified. The federal government is the product of the Constitution. You can't be the party to a contract if you are the product of the contract because you can't sign the contract into legal being until the contract is signed. Since the states created the federal government, the states are the delegators of the federal government's power. It is the obligation through every principle of law and every principle of natural law that the creation of has the authority to govern over its cre the creator has the authority to govern over its creation. That's why the states have the ultimate authority. God bless you guys. See you next time.